things up a little bit every year. Welcome to another live edition of Open Mic, along with Kevin Dietz. I'm Mike Morse. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm okay, man. Some crazy, crazy days here in Michigan. Scary, sad, upsetting. Uh, what's been going on since uh, the George Floyd murder last week? It's just that was awful. What's happening now is is sad. Um, we have a couple of uh, reporters, one from the Detroit News, one from Bridge, Michigan, and they have been watching. Uh, one was arrested briefly last night, and so we have lots of questions. And then following that, the chief of police of Detroit, James Craig, is going to be hopping on our Facebook live feed and answering people's questions and your questions and my questions. So if anybody out there has any questions for James Craig or these reporters, please send them away and we will do our best to ask. Any uh, any thoughts before we bring them on, Kevin? Yeah, I just, uh, the last time I saw something like this was when the verdict came out for Malice Green like 25 years ago. And uh, it just, the images flood back of that intensity between the public and police. And uh, it, it's just so scary because people are trying to, uh, have a voice, and then all of a sudden uh, it goes from day to night, and that voice uh, uh, becomes uh, violent, and it's so scary. And, and it's police are in a tough situation, the media is in a tough situation, the public's in a tough situation. But our, our guests today were right in the middle of it, uh, so I'm, I'm excited to to hear uh, their uh, stories. Yeah, me too. Lots of questions. All right, let's let's bring them on. Why don't you make the introductions, Kevin? All right, uh, joining us, uh, Christine McDonald of the Detroit News, uh, who was briefly detained last night, uh, is with us. And Louis Aguilar of Bridge uh, Detroit Magazine uh, is with us, too. And he's been covering this story uh, all weekend long, uh, watching the, uh, the different posts of what's going on and uh, giving it some perspective. Uh, as to what it means to the city. Some cities, uh, you know, burned down. Uh, Detroit was not one of them. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, uh, what they thought of the police tactics in, uh, in real time. So uh, if we can bring up Christine and Lewis, that'd be great. Hey, guys. Hi, thanks. Hello. Welcome to Open Mic. Yeah, thanks for having Thank us. You. Yeah, thanks for Interesting being time so, to be a reporter, right? Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> so, Christine, let's start with you. Uh, you've had a you've had some excitement in the last twenty four hours. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell our viewers and listeners what happened to you last night? Uh, well, I volunteered to work the Sunday shift. We've had reporters, uh, just uh, a number of issues. You know, we've got COVID, we've got uh, uh, the Midland flooding, and now these protests. So we're all been very strapped. Uh, and so I volunteered to work Sunday uh, night, and so I, I was at the protest, and it's at a point. Um, it was, Little after nine o'clock, I was over at uh, Campus Marshes, uh, the west side, you know, where the people mover stop is. And there's a park there. Uh, it's a wooded area, a little dark. And I did see a um, officer um, running after a teen, somebody that looked like in his teens or early 20s. So I started filming. And um, on our Facebook Live account at the Detroit News, if, if your viewers want to view that, they can. it's still on there if they want to see that. Um, and so we, I was filming him, his arrest, and, and I was quite a distance away. 
And when um, the officer picked him up, I could feel someone behind me and I, I felt cuffs on my wrists immediately. And um, the officer said, you know, who are you with? And um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's a low tech way of yep. sharing. Right. I forgot to mention, I did have a gas mask on. Um, you can see that there. Um, there was a lot of tear gas. And at that point, um, I was trying to protect myself. Um, and I did, as you can see, probably in that photo, too, is I did have uh, my ID on a lanyard around my neck. And so I told you that picture again. Show you can see that ID right around her neck is clearly uh, identifies uh, her as a reporter there. I already, yeah. I already, I already left it. it okay. It just. Yeah, it's a white, just a small white card around my neck. And um, so he asked if I had an ID or something to that effect. And I did say yes, I did have identification. And he said he said he wanted to take me over to his car, which was over on, on Woodward. And so we went there. And that's that's that picture, me standing by the car, uh, handcuffed, um, waiting. Uh, and then he took some, you know, asked me some personal questions, took some notes. But at the same time, there were that there just happened to be a group of other reporters, about uh, five or uh, seven reporters nearby, and um, they didn't recognize me because I did have the mask on. But eventually, understood who I was, and uh, you know, vouched for me to him as well. And Christine, then, let me oh, jump yeah. in here for a second. I'm going to break down the story because I just have yep. a couple questions. You know, from everything that we've seen on the news. I mean, this is this is mass chaos and there's people running and there's tear gas and there's rubber bullets and there's press and there's hundreds, if not thousands of people yeah. protesting. Now, this is after curfew. And yet they're stopping to accost you and put you into handcuffs. What's going what's the scene like? What's, a, I mean, yeah. just, what's that? Yeah, no, the scene. You're right. It's uh, it was quite a bit. Uh, uh, quite a bit of time since the the bigger crowds were broken up, and that was at deep in the lawn on DPD's lawn. You know, DPD has this huge kind of expansive lawn, and that's where all the hundreds of protesters ended up uh, walking to, um, and uh, they listened to speeches. And then the curfew ended, and then maybe a half hour after that um, is when the the police moved on those folks. Now they were peaceful that whole time, but we were being told to move and to to go home by police, and did not uh, comply. And so then at that point, uh, the cops fire, started firing the tear gas. And that's what broke up that whole crew, hundreds of folks. And um, and then uh, down Michigan. So you had some people that went down towards Corktown and the other group, the larger group went down um, towards downtown. And that's kind of where I was going. And we ended up, um, the, 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 the group was just fractured off. Uh, and so there were a few people um, where I was would eventually be over at Grand Circus Park. And so you could see folks running from police, you could see uh, cop cars around. And so I was starting to film, you know, like that arrest that I, that I mentioned. And so, um, do you, do you think it was the filming? Do you think it was the filming? I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. Do you think it was right. the filming of the arrest that made them come at, come to you because for whatever reason, as opposed to using their police, uh, using the police force and their police energy to really get the people who needed to be arrested, who were really violating curfew. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, um, we'd have to ask the officer, obviously, but he, I, I'm standing there. It's on the, I believe it was on the path. I remember because in that park, there was, uh, there's a chain link, you know, to um, right where the grass starts. So I'm on the other side of the chain link. 
you know, just a single chain that separates the grass. And then the, the, the officer that was arresting the person was quite a distance away on the grass. And so I wasn't interfering at all. You know, I wasn't even near them, frankly. And you can see in the video, it was very pretty far away. See, it was even hard to see in the video. And um, there was another person filming with me. Uh, I don't know who he was, but he was nearby me. And um, he was not arrested. I was, you know, I had the gas mask on. He didn't. That could have been an, an element. Um, but, uh, you know, it was it was right away. I was handcuffed, you know, previously in the night when the, the when the police first moved and started firing the canisters at DPD's uh, front lawn, I was filming and I was encountered two cops who said, are you with the media? And I said, yes. And they could see my badge and they let, you know, they did not um, try to stop me at all. It, um, so I, I did have two instances where police did, uh, you know, do what's supposed to happen and, and not interfere with my job. And, uh, but later in the night, maybe it was because of the darkness too. I, I don't know, but um, you know, to be, it was, I was immediately handcuffed. There was no discussion, you know, no questioning. And there were other people, you know, there was at least one other person nearby doing the same thing that I was doing. So we were, Christine, we were seeing a lot of stuff on, uh, on the internet and in, in, uh, Facebook and YouTube and, and the Detroit police were being very aggressive. They were pushing people over. We saw a reporter get a phone slapped out of uh, their hands. We saw protesters get thrown to the ground. We saw tear gas. We saw a lot going on. Do, do you get a sense that they were trying to stop people from, from Facebook live or do you, or do you feel like maybe they thought you were uh, one of the agitators because you had a gas mask on and you were filming it and, and they were going to put a stop to you as an agitator. Yeah, it's just hard to say. I mean, without talking, you know, um, I was so engrossed with what I was doing. I, I don't totally know what was going on around me, you know, uh, so I, I, I'm not sure. You know, it's I've seen I, you know, I don't know that. um you know, people were targeted. I don't know that as journalists, I don't think that was happening, but I don't know. Uh, you know, when, when canisters are thrown into the crowd, I mean, obviously police don't know uh, at distance, you know, who, if there's a reporter there, but I don't, I, I don't know. You know, I'm sorry. It's, it's tough. Um, I, I can only tell you my experience, but I was, I had three interactions, two of them where the cops asked me who I was. Uh, and I, as, as soon as I said I was a reporter, they let me go and, or, you know, let me on with what I was doing. And the third did not end that way. So, um, so you had, I, just to be clear, you had handcuffs on, they didn't take you to the station. They didn't formally no, arrest no. you. They not just, at all they detained you. Yeah, he was he I asked me my a bunch of personal questions, you know, my address and et cetera. And uh, but at the same time, those other reporters were yelling, hey, this is uh, she is with the press, you know, or did she is with the Detroit News, et cetera. So I'm not sure what would have happened without, um, you know, uh, them there. Who knows? But well, but um, if I would have feel like from you and Lewis, you could chime in from what you've been, you know, watching with your sources. And, and I hope this is not the case, but did, does either one of you, do, do either of your news departments feel like media was being intentionally targeted? Lewis, I'm yeah. curious what you think. You know, from an outside perspective, I, uh, I don't think so. I think, uh, I just think uh, things are very tense as, uh, as the hours go by, as there's day after day of 
protest. I think uh, just emotions are getting raw. I just think uh, you see so many images of the police being taunted. That really is, of course, is not, I'm not trying to justify in any way the way they treated Christine or others. But uh, I, I guess my initial reaction is that uh, people are very human and people are very tired and people are very stressed and it's pretty chaotic. I, I'm, as I watched so many images throughout the night, I was there Friday at the start of the first uh, March and it was celebratory. I mean, I saw families there. I, I mean, there was a sense of people, you know, able to uh, vocalize their feelings about police brutality, about many things. I mean, there was, uh, you know, police were handing out uh, masks to uh, people. And I left thinking, wow, this has went pretty well. And then, you know, I, an hour later, I see what's going on in Corktown. And then, you know, uh, throughout Friday night and Saturday night, I mean, the crowds change. It's a much younger crowd. Uh, I see so many images of people taunting the police. At the same time, I see so many protesters, the vast majority of the protesters, even late at night, simply trying to keep the peace, uh, even urging other uh, protesters to you know, calm down, uh, that they don't want violence. So it's a, I mean, it's such a broad range of emotions out there and I mean our I mean our job at Bridge Detroit really was to try to find as many voices as we can to find out why they're there uh, and uh, you know I, I I mean obviously it just speaks to the raw state of urban America I mean after a, a killer virus I mean huge economic uh, insecurity and now uh, you know this viral image of another black man being uh, killed at the hands of a white policeman. Uh, I mean, that's enough for a lot of people to uh, express a lot of rage. It seemed like, uh, you know, as you watch different cities, different cities had different strategies. Some were uh, kind of letting the protesters have, have at it. They burned the third precinct in Minneapolis. Uh, in Detroit, they, it seemed like they had made a decision. They weren't going to let that happen. They weren't going to let the mob get control of any one area. And it was interesting because I was watching at one point uh, uh, protesters were down by the Nike store. It looked like they were going to try and break in or bust the glass at the Nike store. The police weren't even there yet. Other citizens were there like, hey, get out of here. We don't want you busting up the downtown area. And I'm just curious what, what you were seeing out there um, or, or what the reporters are reporting back that they were seeing out there. Well, you know, was this out of towners? Was this local, uh, you know, Metro Detroiters? Um, were people angry or were people trying to incite you know violence uh, what were you what was your sense of it because as you watch it on tv it's it, i mean it's it's really uh it's so frightening and and and, and sad i i can speak to sunday lewis was there friday saturday sunday you know there were very you know before it all kicked off uh, people were just protesting there was no nothing violent. There were a couple of water bottles that initially got thrown towards the cops after, you know, once the curfew had, had ended and things got tense, but um, actually the, the crowd quickly uh, talked everybody off of doing that, and, you know, really was aggressive about uh, making sure that wasn't happening. So I really only saw a couple of bottles go in the air um, and didn't hit anybody, thankfully. Um, but things were incredibly tense, you know, as, as everybody knew is that 
curfew, uh, you know, approached and and went by, they knew something was going. Everybody knew something was going to happen. You saw the cops put on their their um, gas masks as well. Uh, but there was nothing. Nothing. Uh, there was no violence Sunday um, until that, you know, um, those canisters started going off and they, they dispersed folks, obviously, you know, they're, uh, they told people because of the curfew, you know, that, that they had to leave and that's what happened there. Um, but I mean, it seems like Friday and Saturday was a different, different atmosphere somewhat. Lewis could probably speak to that. Well, you know, to be, I mean, just to clarify once again, I went, for maybe 90 minutes uh, on Friday uh, when the official protest ended and, you know, and it was fine. And yeah. I, I'm like, well, okay, that's it. That's, that's not much of a story, really. I'm glad to see, uh, but it changed, obviously. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, Friday and Saturday, I mean, I stayed up literally watching dozens of uh, raw social media posts and Facebook live feeds and, it's always the same scene at night where it's obviously much younger people and some people are there just to have fun, just to see the, what's going on. They're, they're, you know, they're just kind of hanging out. Others are there to taunt and uh, others are there just to uh, shout. I mean, it's just, uh, it's hard to categorize one group over another other than really, it, there's always skirmishes, but the skirmishes never last uh, very long. Uh, you know, Saturday, I guess early Sunday, the Saturday night, early Sunday, there was a 20-minute sort of standoff between the police in front of the DPD headquarters, a row of police and a row of uh, protesters. And it lasted for 20 minutes where they're just sort of looking at each other. Uh, I mean, there's some taunting, but really they're just kind of milling about. And then somebody finally throw something on the cops and the cops get very aggressive. They, the tear, it's tear gas instead of pepper gas, as opposed to Friday. Friday it was pepper gas, Saturday it was tear gas. And uh, yeah, the, the, the taxes got a bit more aggressive. Do you think the mayor should have uh, put a curfew on as early as Friday night uh, or Saturday night, waited till Sunday night at eight o'clock before a curfew? Uh, we saw what was going on around other places in the country. Uh, you know, uh, any thoughts on did, you were there Sunday, Christina. Did the curfew help uh, eliminate bigger problems? And might that have helped on a Saturday night or even Friday night? Yeah. I, yeah. I can't say it's hard to say. I, I think they they cleared those folks out really quickly. I mean, it sounds like they they knew they were going to handle it differently Sunday uh, with that curfew and and at it by you know what was it thinking about eight thirty is when that those um, canisters started flying. So and shortly after that, you know the, the folks were those crowds were done. There were there was very few folks out and just handfuls, you know, downtown and in small groups and uh, definitely not what I, I saw online. We saw Friday and Saturday. So things were much different with that curfew. Yeah. You know, curfews have mixed results in other cities. I mean, there are cities that have much more violence than they've had curfews and, and it, curfew was one of the reasons that people sustained their anger. So we're interested to see how it's going to have an effect here if it continues. Has you the mayor announced that they're going to have a curfew tonight? I assume, but I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything in official either. Oh, okay. 
maybe they're doing, I know the chief of police is on uh, probably right now and uh, he, maybe there's a curfew or not. It does sound from the way Christine announces or, or describes the scene that most people, a high percentage of people respected the curfew and then there were the, you know, the smaller percentage of people who were there to make trouble. I think people, there were people just waited and to see what was going to happen. The, the bulk of the pro, the protesters stayed I, from my assessment until, you know, yeah, I would, th I thought so. Um, there were tons, you know, on that big DPD lawn, pretty expansive and folks were waiting to see what would happen. But once, once, those canisters, once that started, that really dissipated everybody. Um, you know, and we all we all saw that semicircle with the with the police officers trying to move the crowd. It was very tense to watch after the fact. Being yeah. there, what was the mood? What was the I mean, what, how scary was it? Yeah, I, it was pretty intense. I mean, uh, there's just the structure of that lawn. There's a big um, kind of embankment where there's a ton of rocks, like huge boulders. And then there's the ground goes down. So you had protesters on top of those rocks and then you had them below. And then in front were the, were the police officers. So you could see that if if things got bad and the, the, the group on, the, on top of the rocks started running, you know, every it could have gotten really ugly with, with the, the, even just the ground there, that how it was, uh, you know, that area is. And so just waiting um, for, for it uh, to happen was really intense and seeing at the, some point, you know, the, the huge uh, vehicles, the armored vehicles that they had down, uh, down the street and as they were advancing. And then, you know, once you saw most, some of the cops had the, their, their masks on, but then it's after the curfew expired, you saw more of them put the, put the masks on. So, you know, the crowd got, uh, more intense then, and, um, just people asking, you know, a lot of back and forth, you know, pleading with the cops to take a knee and why don't they do this? And there was a lot of taunting too. And, um, or, and, um, just, you know, the chants were, were hard to hear, you know, and, um, of the names of folks that we've lost. And so it just, uh, the emotions were just really high. Um, did that, you know, in uh, watching in uh, Seattle and California and Minneapolis, uh, we saw a lot of uh, places burning, Washington, D.C. We saw a lot of looting, a lot of destruction of, uh, of property that, you know, people, you know, you just hate, you hate to see it. And uh, but but we didn't really see that in Detroit. What what uh, what what I, or at least what I saw in Detroit was I saw a, a police force that was going to be very aggressive, very forward, saying we're not going to let anything get out of hand. We're going to put a stop to anything before it can get too big or, or out of control. Did did you sense that? Do you think it worked, uh, even though it's a very aggressive uh, stance? I mean, did did you get a feel for that being there? I mean, they they arrested people very quickly. You know, once the once those canisters went and um, they were positioned, you know, in a, in a way that it really separated that, that crowd down Michigan two different ways. And um, I mean, it seemed that their strategy was worked, you know, um, the question is, did it need to get to that point? Because folks uh, were uh, peaceful, you know, uh, into that point. But again, they had instituted a curfew at that in, uh, 
you know, that's what pushed it to the edge uh, to, to when people did not leave. So um, it's, it's, I mean, it's a fascinating um, debate on whether, you know, uh, did they, were they too aggressive on these folks who were just sitting there and, and um, essentially uh, protesting and they, they, they were not challenging folks at that point, you know, the, the police at that point. You know, I think give some credit. I mean, about, I mean, you know, obviously Friday and Saturday night, there were plenty of opportunities for many to, I mean, they're in the glittery part of downtown, you know, I mean, uh, full of the new developments. They were in Corktown, one other, uh, where there's literally tens of millions of new investment going on. They had ample opportunity to, uh, you know, cause much more destruction and they chose not to. Uh, so that wasn't just a police strategy. That was certainly the actions of many in the crowd who weren't there for that. And and I don't know what they would have done if some group of people would have tried or not. I mean, that you're right that Nike incident was fascinating to see uh, others in the crowd stop that from happening as people were trying to throw rocks at the window uh, so I don't know what that says, I, you know, uh, but that is fascinating to me of why there's been, there's been, you know, little destruction. Uh, I don't know if there's been any looting. Uh, and, you know, some are saying because we have a strong black leadership. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the case. Uh, but I know, uh, Lewis, I don't know if this makes any sense. And I haven't read this or. It just dawned on me, you know, that scene was really impressive at the Nike store. And I did read a couple of things where people are talking about that after the riots back in the 60s in Detroit, the 1967 riot, how many years it took us to recover and we're fully, we're not fully recovered from it. Sure. I wonder, and, and most of the people, the people on this podcast right now and the people down there were barely alive, if alive yep. during that time, but we've grown up with it. We've heard stories from our parents. I wonder if any small part of certain people are like, we can't go down this road again sure, because yeah. it's going to, it takes 20, 30, 40 years to, to, to heal it. What, what do you guys sure. think about that? Well, you hear that. I mean, you hear, I mean, I mean, you hear so often Detroit doesn't need to go down this road. We're not about here out here for this. Um, at the same time, I mean, there is an element beyond I mean, uh, uh, people in the crowd yelling things about, uh, you know, global capitalism and uh, anti-gentrification. So it's a whole mix of things people that are bringing people out there. And that element of economic despair is a theme among uh, some of these people who are out there. I mean, one of the main organizers I know uh, is a young guy who spends a lot of time about... Uh, Detroit evictions and uh, getting renters more rights in Detroit. And now he's sort of shifted into this uh, for, you know, so, I mean, for him, it's a very natural, uh, I guess, I guess to him, I think they're all connected in terms. Of, so, but I don't, I mean, I don't know the answer, but I started to ask people I'm talking to who are there. And I would love to find those people. <laughs> there were like four or five of the uh, young men standing up and, to a mob of people saying, you know, don't destroy the Nike store. That was completely fascinating. 
Yeah, you know, watching uh, the, the national coverage of it, they, they'd have like six or seven cities uh, in a box, you know, uh, San Francisco, Detroit, uh, you know, all these different places where uh, protests were going on. And as you looked at Detroit, Detroit looked pretty good. There's an aggressive police force, uh, but, the, but the city was not burning like it was in other places. And, and, and I think uh, even though there was large protests, Detroit overall looked pretty well. But on the other hand, in the USA Today today, they wrote uh, an article about uh, what police were doing to journalists, and they said it's completely unacceptable, uh, listing uh, some reporters who had rubber bullets shot at them, uh, reporters who were tear gassed, uh, reporters uh, who, um, well, you were, you were detained uh, uh, briefly. Uh, I just wonder, um, you know, how you feel about the ability to, to cover the story, um, if, if that is too aggressive, um, to just take everybody down and everybody out to avoid uh, the city from from burning. Well, I think Lewis helped me out. Is it, was it Cleveland that had uh, said that no reporters could be out in town um, during their curfew? It was even more radical, you know, that we experienced here in Detroit. I think it was Cleveland, but um, I saw online. Um, it's not a new thing. I mean, I, yeah. I was a reporter in Washington, D.C. back in the late 90s, and there were lots of uh, anti-global uh, protests against the World Bank and things like that. And there were there were journalists getting arrested. There were severe limitations of where we could go. I mean, this element of aggression against reporters during these times, capturing these kind of moments has been going on for a, a long time. I covered uh, I covered a sports riot <laughs> in Chicago when I was an intern at the Chicago Tribune when the Bulls won the championship. And I remember sort of we all got sort of uh, me and like 20 other reporters, we just got uh, pinned to a corner uh, as, you know, as there were masses of people just, uh, you know, just having a good time and starting to light things on fire. So, I mean, it's not a new element that happened during this time, I mean, if there's always uh, push and pull of uh, of stuff, and I just think, you know, cops are human. I mean, they we are uh, a group of people who are making them look bad. They think, and that's I don't know. I mean, it's just part of the job. I think. You know, I, we had some uh, folks online say, well, you should be wearing, because I just had the small, you know, ID around my neck, and you should be wearing a bigger identifier, you know, press on the back. And I know some people, there was a WDET reporter who had more um, bigger uh, identification, but, you know, there's the, we have a na some national journalism groups that were giving us advice, you know, uh, prior to this. And, you know, the debate is, do you, if you have that bigger identification, you could potentially, there's a slight chance, but you could potentially be targeted by some of the protesters. If you, if you have press all the way on your back, you know, if that's some folks that don't want to be photographed or depending on the situation. So it's, 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 uh, but you, obviously I needed my ID uh, in my situation. So it's, it's a tough uh, thing. And I know our editor, Gary Miles, is working on that. And he's in contact with DPD on this. And they want to, um, at least they've expressed to us, to him, that they want to um, make sure that doesn't happen again and that, that, that journalists aren't prevented from doing their jobs. Do you have any plans, either one of you, to go back out tonight? 
and see what's happening downtown? Actually, I think I might. I mean, I'm uh, curious to see what, uh, I, I don't really know. I mean, is there a curfew still? I don't even know. I mean, I, uh, and what's the event tonight? So we'll see, but I might do it. I think they were planning to be headed back down to DPD. That's what they said yesterday at the, uh, at the protest at four today. You guys have been covering uh, uh, this town for a long time. And, and, and I'm just curious about your thoughts about from the police perspective. I mean, the police, what a tough job that's been for the last five years. I mean, it seems like everyone is coming at them all the time. And uh, with, with social media and everyone has a camera phone, these incidents are recorded. Um, but you look at the statistics and, and people will tell you that, you know, it, it it's very rare that there's a police officer like the one in this case that stood there. Not, I'm not saying rare completely, but percentage wise, most police officers are out there uh, trying to do their job and they're, t they're taking insults and they're taking their lives are in danger all the time, too. And so when when something like this jumps off and, and they're out there doing their job, I, it just it's it's hard because you know they are just uh getting beat up uh left and right by everybody it's not just the media i mean they just as you know people in the comment sections are, are mad at the police and i just wonder i wonder if you feel like these protests are, are are helping are they doing anything are we are we are we finally shedding light on on this uh institutional racism that's been such a problem or or are we uh digging in deeper on, on our size i'm just, just curious what you think from a from a societal standpoint, uh, what what kind of impact this might be having? Well, my initial instinct uh, is to get to the people who are protesting now, like, why are you still out there? I mean, what are you saying about the violent confrontations? I mean, uh, those are the people I really want to hear from right now. You know that I mean that's what I think I can do as a journalist is to try to get to those voices and see what is still compelling them. Of because uh, I think I think all of us are saying why are you still out there? But they're out there. I mean they feel the need to do it, and so they feel the need to have their voice heard, and so that's what I think I could serve as a journalist to, to try to get to that voice and at least understand where they're coming from. And what they say about the violence themselves. I mean, I, I can't give a sweeping answer. Uh, in terms of the, just from a natural perspective of, I'm just thinking, you know, these are, this is the fourth day in a row for most of those police departments to be out there on that line. I mean, they just got to have, uh, their nerves got to be pretty frayed at this point. And I just think the, the, potential for more aggression is there simply out of fatigue, I would believe. I talked to one guy, I don't know if this goes to your question, but he, he was a Detroiter, brought his three kids to each of the three protests. He's 47. He told me he'd never protested like this before and that he wanted to be there each, each night just because he had reached his limit. And he said he had had multiple bad interactions with uh, particularly DPD and just, it just felt this was the moment that he needed to, to show up and invest in, uh, in, uh, 
and communicating that this was enough and that he doesn't trust uh, police is what he had said. So um, it, it was quite a commitment. I was surprised to have to be dragging, you know, three, three little ones with them uh, for three days in a row. But um, he said he would be there tomorrow today if he had to. Um, so, um, and he's a Detroiter. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I was surprised with this um, case that so quickly, so much, uh, a number of national, you know, chiefs across the nation did come out pretty quickly and, and even call this murder, including DPD's um, chief. So that seemed somewhat different from some of the other cases we've seen. Um, but right. that's a good point, Christine. This 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 crime really was black and white. There was no, uh, I mean, there was no gray area here whether or not this was a murder charge and i think i think people are stepping up to admit that and that's that's rare i think you're right that's usually more vague and it takes months and months and months and i think that's a good thing that people are calling it what it is that there was no excuse this shouldn't have happened this was one of the worst things i think most people have seen um and will ever see it's one of the worst videos i've ever seen uh it's hard to watch and um, I think you're right. I think that's an interesting point that 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 they are coming out quickly. Um, oh. Go ahead. Lewis, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I at the time. I got I'm afraid I do have to run. I thank you very thank much. Thank you, Lewis, for being thank on. You, appreciate you. you being on. Sure. See ya. Christine, I wonder if uh, has has anyone mentioned to you that they're um, out there protesting because they're upset that the other police officers haven't been arrested uh, that were there and witnessed George Floyd's death? Because um, like Lewis was saying, I want to know why the protesters were out there. I totally understand the protesters being out there until more is done. It seems to my eye that uh, that the prosecutors haven't done enough out there, whether you disagree with the third degree murder charge, think it should be second or first degree, or that others should be arrested and charged. I, I get why people are protesting, uh, not while they're why they're becoming violent, but I get the protest. I just wonder if people are expressing that or if they were at all Sunday night. Uh, or Yeah, they didn't. I didn't hear of anyone mention the other officers, but that very well could be a motivator. I think just the, what I heard is just a, just a complete, uh, you know, hitting a limit and wanting, seeing this as the moment where they could not not be there, you know what I'm saying, and that that, that they felt uh, it had to had to continue this momentum, and uh, felt a commitment to being there and and seeing. I think you know seeing all the other cities, uh, folks showing up in the other cities was a motiv big motivator for a lot of these folks, and that Detroit had to sh have that same showing. It seemed like that was kind of the mood to um, at least the folks I talked to on Sunday. Uh, what would you say to uh, uh, the chief of police or the mayor of Detroit about, uh, you know, from a journalist perspective uh, of how best to go forward in, in this uh, protest and in others? Because it, it seems certain to that it's going to come up again. What, what are some of the things that need to be discussed between the yeah. media and, and, and City Hall? Well, I think just uh, for sure, communicating with all officers, even uh, the guys, um, you know, the, the off the the street beat folks that, hey, that these reporters are out doing their jobs. I mean, the, the guy that I interacted with, 
you know, twice said, hey, you know, there's a curfew out here, inferring that I should not be here. And I, even after I told them what I was doing, then I was a reporter. So clearly there was a um, information gap that he didn't understand that I, as a reporter, uh, was uh, clearly allowed to be on the streets documenting what was going on. And um, to have him bring it up twice and tell me, you're, you're going home after this, basically, and me saying, no, I'm not, you know, I'm doing my job just like you are. Um, so here, you know, having DPD set the tone, maybe not just in the command, you know, and communicating that to everybody that we are um, there to do our jobs and we should be, uh, they should stay away, you know, do not impede what we're doing. Um, and we're not trying to impede what they're doing, but we were uh, there to make, to document this. And that's what I was trying to do. You know, I was, you know, filming a, an arrest and I should, you know, um, for him to arrest me, um, clearly stop me from doing that. And, um, stop me from providing that service to the public and, and was wrong. Yeah. It's interesting. They, uh, you know, we, uh, being out there on the streets, there's the, we were talking about aggressive police. Uh, there, there's aggressive reporters too. And there's uh, reporters that push the boundaries all the time. And if they set up a, a, a line one way, they might go around to see if they could get to the, the back of a building to, to get a scoop or whatever. But right. I, I haven't, I haven't gotten the sense that that's what's going on here. I kind of feel like, uh, the police are telling the media to to go to one area, and and, and they're trying to do that. Uh, but but it is interesting because as you look around the country, um, you, you see the same kind of uh, confrontations going on between the police and the media. And I, yeah. I think it is important that the media, um, you know, follow the police direction uh, and and make sure everybody's safe first uh, as you're trying to report what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. We need to, uh, but we need to be super aggressive as reporters to be out there doing our best to document this stuff. And, and, uh, uh, you know, that's what folks are trying to do. You know, we're, and we're doing it in an atmosphere where we're, uh, there's fewer of us. There's so few, I mean, I can't even tell you, uh, it's night and day from when I started out in this business and it's completely sad. And then just here, you know, we're under furloughs right now, ha you know, ton of the staff are not even there, you know, that we can't even uh, deploy because you can imagine if we were able to put out even more reporters and cover this in a better way. But, and now we have these three huge uh, once in a lifetime events, you know, the, the flooding, the COVID and this huge, um, you know, reaction in the in protests and this loss of life and you know to not have those uh the bench of reporters to be able to cover this the way we should is just devastating you know and um so it's a tough it's a very tough environment to bring this to people and i know you know everybody is ex all, all these other um industries and careers are experiencing similar things but you know we're trying to do this for the public's benefit and um it's, it's just uh, a tough, tough time to be doing this type of work. That's a really good point, Christine. And I, and I don't think I've thought of that until you just brought it up. Um, what coverage really could look like if you had your full bench, as you put it, if you right. had your full team working. And I think now more than ever, I, I think that the cameras downtown, every city are important. I think it gives us a flavor of what's happening. Imagine if uh, George Floyd, who, who, the people who videotaped that weren't there. What yeah, those that teenage girl. 
yeah. what, 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 what the officers would have said happened, you know, and I don't want to come off as biased here, but I wonder if the truth would have come out. Let's just put it that way. I wonder yeah. if the truth would have come out had the videotape not been there and had the videotapes that we're seeing of some of these aggressive officers. What a hard job. You know, I think the protests are needed. It's a hard job to be a protester and it's a hard job to be a police officer these days because when the protesters don't listen and they don't follow the laws, they know that they have video cameras on them and yet some of them are still being aggressive and shoving people to the ground. And I, I you know, it's just, all I can say is I'm, I'm happy that there is some video evidence of what's happening, you know, right or wrong, who's at fault, who should be doing what. I, I think, you know, you, don't you wish everything could be on tape? All the interactions, all the how the looting starts and how the whatever it is starts should be on tape. And uh, maybe more will come out. You have surveillance cameras downtown. I know that Dan Gilbert does a good job of having good surveillance down there. I haven't seen any of that come out yet. Um, I wonder if they're looking at that. I wonder if that's going to be offered um, as well. But it's a good point yeah. to make about about the lack of um, the lack of good reporters out there on the streets. Yeah, I mean, I, go ahead, yeah, sorry. But I was going to say, back in the day, you you had uh, two people teams, uh, whether it's newspaper, radio, or or TV. You always had a partner. You in in a case like we're seeing over this weekend, uh, you would have had a security guard that was was brought in to to look after you i mean now it is one man band you're out there on your own with a phone uh yeah. not to mention this uh covid pandemic is still going on i mean i'm sure yeah. that your i'm sure that your your workplace gave you uh um certain uh things that you're supposed to follow uh, to be safe uh when reporting in in the covid environment there's no yeah. way any of that is going on out there with what we're seeing uh yeah. not to mention uh if you're out here uh recording you're by were you by yourself yeah uh, you're out here you're facebook living you're trying to take mm -hmm. notes you're trying to report uh you, you obviously you don't have anyone no one has your back because a police officer no. came at you from behind and handcuffed you that and that could have been anybody um it's it's a very people don't always understand how difficult and and, and dangerous it is to to report especially in, in in intense places like this um i mean i i i'm so glad that you guys are out there i don't know yeah. what this world would be like you know without it but i just i wish there was uh, some some more ability for for people to people we know that reporters are covering stories we know that incidents like this are going to happen have happened in the past are going to happen again in the future and and you, you just like to see more pre-planning to uh to allow reporters to do the job With, without the right. stories we don't know what what's going on and and i don't yeah. I, quite frankly, I don't think we're doing enough and you know i mean uh you know for for folks to be on furlough and and then come off furlough and then go out there by themselves in the middle of the dark in in a city during a riot it's, right. it's fairly outrageous. I mean. it's, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I had planned to work and prepare for, I feel like one of the hugest issues coming out of COVID is going to be the eviction crisis and how many folks are going to start to lose their homes once we start getting back in the courts are opening again. And I'd like to prepare and start, you know, prepping for that and planning, but I, I've been covering the Midland, you know, I've been helping out with our Midland coverage and then, you know, volunteered to work Sunday to, 
to because I saw George, you know, I saw the reporters, George Hunter and Christine Ferretti were working to death on this. And, you know, it's it's a different time. Unfortunately, I mean, the good thing, the silver lining is we have two newspapers in this town and that's a great thing and really valuable mm -hmm. for us still. And hopefully we will keep that. But it's it's, um, you know, uh, you don't know what you've got until it's gone, because I, I fear that you know, that, um, when, you know, maybe we won't make the Detroit news, won't make it out of this, hopefully, but we will, but, uh, you know, you, uh, just think of what the journalism that could have been done, you know, could be done if we had those staffs and, um, it's just to still, serve the public. Are you still technically on the city hall beat? Uh, no, not anymore. I do more investigative stuff longer term. Yeah. Um, so, hey, you're covering you're the city hall beat reporter. You're in Midland covering right. the pandemic and the, the yeah. collapse of the dam. And by the way, pick up a riot on your way you know, over to the words, It's Christine Peretti. They she's got like 12 beats, uh, you know, slash this, slash that, you know. So, and now, and what are your perks? Are they giving you uh 1970s gas masks to keep you uh protected? Right, we have to share there. them. They, I have not well, been given them, them. yeah. <laughs> Well, are you going to wash them out really well? I mean, before you, that, your face mask that night looked like I know. This, you know, out of the Cold War. I know. Yeah, maybe I, I scared the officer. Yeah, out of a TV show, it did not look real. Did it work? I know. Yeah, it worked. Yep, it did. Uh, it did. It was six. Yeah, it were was just very. Were you right in the middle of the gas? Did you feel the here? Yeah, the yeah. You, it, it the wind was quite. Uh, it picked up and you were, you would get a face full and I got, you know, at some point I put my backpack on and said, I got to get this thing on, you know, and I think, yeah. I don't know how you do Facebook live. And I had, uh, you know, I need glasses. I couldn't wear my glasses with my <laughs> face oh, mask God. and then Facebook live. And then the funniest part is that, you know, when he arrested me, I still had it going and I couldn't, I was just in such shock. I couldn't shut it off. Like I think we mentioned earlier. And so it was going the whole time. So you can actually go online and, and listen to me even after I get released joke about my editor, kind of make fun of him. And uh, I didn't realize the whole thing was all on Facebook live the whole time. So I wish somebody was there to hold it and, and, and watch you getting arrested. I mean, I know. Well, you know, yeah, they had eight. Luckily there were eight reporters, but free press reporters and uh, WDET and some other folks. So that uh, once they knew who I was behind the mask, uh, had uh, spoke up for me. <laughs> Did you think there was a period of time where you were going to be going downtown and getting booked? You know, uh, I... You know, he did ask me a lot of personal, my address and my phone number and things like that. And I, you know, um, I couldn't tell. He said, you know, at the end, okay, I believe you and I'm going to, I'll let you go and joked that I should have helped him out with the, the guy that they were trying to arrest. And I was like, you know, no, I'm going to go do my job now. Helped them out. Were they struggling with the guy? Uh, no, I think they were chasing him and they tackled him pretty, pretty good. And that's what I was filming. You know, Did you get and, that on film? Yeah, it's hard to see. It's dark, um, but that's what I was trying to go for. It was my first time using that Facebook Live, uh, you know, and I, it, <laughs> Kevin it's will like, probably laugh. No disrespect. It's like amateur way. hour, some of these videos. And I, I listen, know. you got the gas mask. You've never used it. You're <laughs> alone. I'm not calling you an amateur. But I'm watching videos from lay people. And for a second, there's a decent shot. And then it's all you know, know, jumbled right. up. I'm well, like, that's what? The thing. 
People were yelling at me in the comments, like, this is the worst camera person I've ever seen. Well, yeah, I was arrested. My hands were behind my back there's, and I couldn't. There's some really bad video. And it's, and it's impressive that these big magazines, the USA Today's newspapers, are putting this horrible video and you should. Yeah. That's all they have. Yeah, right. You got to use anything. it. Shows yeah. the ground half the time right. or the right. sky half the time. Yeah. And it's, it's, we're, yeah. you know, it's I know, crazy. but it's pretty amazing. My mom was able to watch uh, my sister on Facebook Live as I got arrested. So that was a family family moment. Oh, <laughs> nice. Very nice. That's, that's something you guys could talk right. about at dinner right. one night. Is that the first time? <laughs> Have you ever been arrested on the job? No, yeah, never been arrested on the job. Knock on wood. We're, you know, so. <laughs> well, I mean, we're glad you didn't, we, we're glad you didn't go in to get fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Chief Craig does come on, we'll ask him about this because okay. obviously, you know, nobody should be targeting the media. I haven't heard evidence they are, but I've never ever, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, Christine, heard this many stories about journalists getting harassed, targeted, handcuffed, bullets, the whole thing. I've, I've yeah. never heard that. Usually you guys are pretty darn safe and like off limits, like they don't want to mess with you. Well, the, like, the only other time I've covered something similar, Kevin, maybe have more experience on this, but just the MSU riots, you know, back right. in the day when they ended CAA stuff. And I remember covering a couple at Cedar Village and, but I never, uh, was never approached by a police officer and, and, um, I, I remember having identification and being with a photographer, but never, never, uh, wasn't this, this type of, I didn't, none of us, I didn't see anybody have those experiences in those, in that coverage. There was a time, uh, I was in Toledo when uh, some white supremacists were bothering African-American neighborhoods and the police had to come in and separate, get between everybody. And uh, uh, an officer had pulled a, a rifle with rub that had rubber bullets in it and was aiming it at me. And I'm like, hey, press, press, press. He's like, look, you got to get out of here. We don't know. This is tense. We're, you know, yeah. we just... We're doing the best we can, but but you can imagine how tense that is. They don't know. I mean, the police don't know if people are carrying weapons. They're getting they're already getting uh, spikes thrown at them and uh, water bottles and beer bottles, and and they don't know if people have weapons or not. I I couldn't imagine doing their job. Uh, no, you know, job. it's an impossible right job. And 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 so it's just so. It is frightening. They must they must be making a decision that look, we we, we don't know. We'll we'll have to apologize afterwards, but we're not gonna let anybody uh you know uh, uh shoot shoot a police officer or burn down a building. And, and uh I, it will be very interesting to hear what, what the strategy is with Chief Craig because it overall yeah. it seems to be working. I mean, you being detained and, and some reporters uh, having some rubber bullets uh, headed their way is it could be worse than that. That's not great. Yeah, not I, I think much, the only thing is the activist would at least on Sunday would have said, "Hey, we weren't doing anything. You know, we were peacefully gathering, and so and then they were, right. you know, forced forced out. And is that right? You know, is the question right. to Christine? To, did to, you to, see anything? You know, you, we're reading a couple of news reports where where there's some organizers coming from out of state, yeah. and they have pallets of bricks, and they're bringing. They're, they're more organized. They're bringing medicine and, 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 you know, they're just more organized. And I can't get a handle from what I've, the limited articles I've read, who they are, who's sending them, who do they represent? Why would any political party or anybody want this to happen? 
Um, did you see any of that? And do and you and your well, reporters, and do you know anything about what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I can't say, but I know there's a lot of rumors and in, in nationally and locally about who's motivating or pushing stuff. But I did see a lot of folks with legal aid groups, you know, they had green neon hats and they were uh, there as observers. And then also, you know, a lot of people were giving out the bail project number. If you get arrested, here's the number you should call, you know, so there was a lot of organization along those lines a lot of people bringing water bottled water even people bring you know the protesters i saw um on dpd grounds people picking up trash like they had you know a couple of people who were going around and just picking up of the protesters picking up the trash you know just as small as that but they were they were pretty organized you know a lot of water um and those bail numbers people people were prepared you know that's the first i've never i've never been in anything like that but the fact that they're worried about their hydration during right. these uh, during these yeah. events is 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 impressive. Yeah, a lot of people had milk, you know, ready in case uh, you know to wash that off, um, you know, if if it got to that, you know. So uh, I mean, I think wash day three, the spraying, you're yeah. Right. So day three, I think you know they they were prepared, you know. Okay. There's a lot of pride in the city, though, you know, I mean, it, it's it's come so far. And, you know, Christian and I both worked downtown for for decades and you, you, we we saw it when it was completely empty and no one was there. And we saw the progress that's been made and the, the citizens and the residents see that, too. And I don't think anybody wants to see us move backwards. And so, yeah, that's what's so interesting when you mentioned people picking up trash. Uh, you know, at the event, it's because suddenly there's a lot of pride in the community. And I think that's what was going on with the Nike store. And I think that is probably going on, uh, you know, that, that may be the difference between here and other cities right now. I think we're appreciative of, of, of how far we've come. I think that's true. But then there's a flip side to that. I think part of why people are so still passionate in Detroit or uh, uh, Lewis talked a little bit about that is because th there are so many still problems that are not addressed in the neighborhoods of Detroit and so many inequities. And I think that is what he the point that he was making that why people are so passionate on these issues and see them interconnected and whether it's water or foreclosure or you know some of these other evictions and i think that's a motivator in turn getting people to show up so passionately too is because they feel like there's these things that have not been addressed although downtown has been addressed you know and they talked a little bit about that bringing up what they saw the protesters saw as kind of a um uh, I think two-faced, maybe um, there's probably a better way to, to characterize it, but talked about how uh, they felt that the Duggan administration had welcomed in, you know, white folks to the city. But now, you know, the criticism, you know, more recently with the protests was that, oh, we have all these white suburbanites coming in town, you know, to, to, to protest. Well, their point, the protesters, you know, the organizers were, you know, making the point that Duggan didn't have an issue with these white folks when they came in the city, but now suddenly that they're protesting, you know, that, that administration, police administration have a problem with them. So I, you know, I think that there are definitely these huge systemic issues in Detroit that will not go away that we've seen for, you know, obviously you too, Kevin, for decades. And, um, and that's, partly what's, you know, motivating a lot of people too, to, to get so involved and in, uh, showing up three days like this in a row, uh, because there's, there's uh, so much passion about these issues that have not been addressed. That's interesting because uh, obviously, you know, the original cause 
you know, of the of the protests is police brutality. But yeah. uh, in Detroit, uh, you do have a very passionate and large uh, crowd of people, residents who who are just uh, very upset and outraged that they their concerns haven't been addressed in the neighborhoods. They still don't have transportation. Transportation. They don't. There's no. There's no jobs out in the neighborhoods. There's no buses. There's no. There's nothing. I mean, it's really not progressed very much here and there, but but overall, you know, there's still. Look at all the residents that don't even have running water. I, I mean, there's serious problems, and I wonder if that's what they are protesting. If that's part of. I mean, like you mentioned, if that's part yeah. of why they're growing up. Yeah, I think that's why people are. A lot of people are ready to to speak out and uh, feel that this they're combining these moments. And uh, you know, Duggan would administration would argue that they've made vast improvements in jobs and and some of these issues. But you know, as tax foreclosure in particular, people so many people have lost their homes and this equity that they've built up and and um, and part of that we've we've written at the Detroit News is connected to you know. Um, uh, what the city was charging folks in, in in property taxes and people losing their homes. So there's a lot of, you know, anger um, uh, stemming from this. So you know, and maybe well, this is tapping into some of that. Hopefully this hopefully this brings about some change. Let's hopefully some good will come with something good will come out of this. That's what we mm -hmm. all can hope for. We hope that everybody stays safe, including you, Christine. And thanks. Um, yeah. Be careful out there. Thank you for working so hard to keep us Thanks. informed. Yeah. We, you know, we really do appreciate it. And, you know, before we sign off on this, on this podcast right now, you know, my firm, uh, you know, my, my, my staff has been, e have been emailing me. We've been talking and, you know, we are all very concerned for our city and saddened and we are here to help. If there are peaceful protesters, if there are pe people out there, um, who've been arrested wrongfully and who want some free legal advice, some free legal help, reach out to me, reach out to my firm. You know how to get a hold of us. We, we will help um, because, you know, we, we're here and we, and we want to be part of this and, and, and make sure that people aren't getting arrested wrongfully and whether it be a reporter or it be just a, a person going down there to peacefully protest with your children or anybody else in between. Um, who are, who are part of, who want to be part of the solution. We are here to help. Um, and please keep us, uh, please keep in touch, Christine, with yeah. what you're hearing. We'll keep watching you. We'll keep watching Thanks. your stuff. Uh, try not to, yeah. try, to try, try not to get gassed without uh, proper gas. Masks. Right. I'm on furlough for the rest of the week. So you oh, won't see me for okay. <laughs> So you're safe. You have to think right. twice about the next time you're asked to volunteer to come in. You might right. want to think twice about yeah. that. Maybe have maybe have a Sunday afternoon cookout or something. Yeah. Well, I hope you have George uh, George Hunter on because he he was really in the thick of it too, and uh, I know he's on furlough this week, unfortunately too. But it's just sad that we have to take take some of the best folks off the off the reporting ranks because of this. And uh, but. well, Kevin Kevin's on George to come on the show. People yeah, sound like they have some free time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, George 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 was going to come on today but he's on furlough and can't can't come on until he's off furlough. So he said he'll come on next week when he's off furlough. They're not a lot he can't be on when he's on furlough. Oh, I, I I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Can't work. Well, thanks again. And, Thank you. Uh, yep. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks a Bye -bye. lot. You're safe. Wow. I I don't even know what to say, Kevin. I I it's, I, 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 I mean, mean that I hope 
I hope that some good comes out of this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, I'm just saying, yeah, I, I feel bad for those store owners down there who, who are trying to survive through this COVID, uh, you know, and, and, and stay open. And then you have this go on. You feel sorry for the police. You feel sorry for the reporters. You feel sorry for the citizens. I mean, you feel sorry for everyone who's who's out there. And you just hope that somehow through all of this, that, that something can come from it. They, we, we do obviously need to have that discussion, you know, about police brutality, uh, about systemic racism. Um, but here's this whole community coming together. And I, I just can sit back and feel bad for every single piece of it. It's just so frustrating. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's maddening. Uh, and I don't know exactly uh, what you do, but I do know that um, the police need to, not allow the city to burn down and so they're i don't think anybody wants to burn down but but the truth is kevin i'm reading posts and there are there are people who who think that they need to burn stuff down to get to be heard to get to be heard and to have change and i'm conflicted with that i mean because i yeah. don't want anybody dying or getting hurt from a fire or or, 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 or looting and then there's target and there's some decent organization saying i saw a medical office that was vandalized and they said we're going to be okay you guys you know we are going to be okay we're not mad target has said that that's pretty mature uh in this day and age and then you have our you know the doofus in washington trying you know trying to incite more more violence and and not helping at all i mean i haven't talked to one person republican democrat who thinks that he is helping um and you know, him, there's just the picture of him sitting at some White House bunker tweeting negative things to incite violence is so bizarre and, and hurtful. Um, but I, I, I'm torn about, you know, the, 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 the protest, the people who want, who think that they need to burn stuff down and loot. Well, they've been, they've been. Protest, people have been protesting for years, right? And nothing has changed. I mean, you can you can go down the list of, of all of these cases of, of racial attacks by white police officers on African-Americans and people of color. And, and you have these protests and people are upset, but then it, it, it's not changing. And so you, you ask, well, what actually is each department doing to change it? What, what steps are, are being taken to, to make this stop so, so that there is change? And they're not, people aren't feeling that there's any real change. They just feel like, oh, it, it flares up and then it goes back to the way it was. And so at some point you want to burn something down to say, hey, we want somebody to actually do something. I think that's the feeling out there, uh, you know. Yeah, and what's that magic list? What needs to be done? to not just stop the violence and stop this but you know you know what what needs to be done and i just think we need some really good leadership and i just don't see it in this country right now to to bring this country together i mean where is our national leaders um trying to fix this trying to calm us down trying to have words of wisdom um and i i just i see zero leadership I'd like to. I would. I would love to have uh, uh, Chief Craig and Mayor Duggan on at the same time to talk about uh, race. You know, uh, Mayor Duggan's a strong uh, uh, mayor, a, a white male. Uh, chief Craig is a strong police chief, a black male. I wonder if having that diversity of power is helpful in Detroit if we're making any gains, or if we're not making, or if nothing's different here than anywhere else. But it, it's just the, the, an interesting conversation, and that's what happened. Conversations need to be had. You have to know how other people are 
feeling. You can't just uh, think, oh, I, I, I know uh, what uh, someone else's, what it's like to be in someone else's shoes because you don't know. And when, when people sit down and tell you, uh, you suddenly have a new appreciation for what someone else is going through. And they may have a new appreciation for, for your experiences as well. And there's, there, there does need to be more of that for sure. Uh, this sort of uh, everybody going off in the groups, whether it's Republican and Democrats or black and white or whatever it is, that, that's not healthy. Uh, and that's, I, I'm afraid there's been too much of that. You never know who you're going to see. Be one guy one-on-one -on -one my whole career. What you're going to hear. We've got a lot of desperate people in the city. On my podcast, Open Mic. Find it where you find your podcasts.